Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Big Nasty. Yeah, Big Nasty. Hall of Fame Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, baby. This is Mike Allstott, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother. You ain't listening, and you're missing out. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Live on YouTube today for episode 224. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, as always, Rhett Matthew. Joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host, the Philly Bucks fan himself, Mr. Evan Wanish. And uh, the topic of today's podcast is, of course... The Week 11 matchup between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the New York Giants. For the Bucs, the second half of their season will start on primetime against the New York Giants. The Bucs, who are undefeated at home, will host the 3-6 Giants at Raymond James Stadium. And uh, obviously the biggest storyline in this one is that the Buccaneers are looking to turn their recent luck around. Dropping their last two contests between the New Orleans Saints and, of course, the Washington football team. The Giants are an NFC East team with Daniel Jones still at quarterback, believe it or not. A guy who is undefeated in Raymond James Stadium. So uh, with that little bit of knowledge out there, I think you can expect Evan Wanish to go ahead and pick the Giants to win this one. But let's jump right into it. First and foremost, Evan, how are you doing, my friend? Welcome back to the show. I'm doing good. You know, facts are facts, right? I mean, and that's that that's the facts that Daniel Jones is one and oh in Raymond James Stadium, his first career win um coming in Raymond James Stadium. So um, but I mean the Bucks got their revenge last year. Let's hope they can uh they can even further their revenge and, and let's hope they can now get their revenge inside of the same stadium where that monstrosity of a game two years ago happened. Well, when we look at the uh, recent series history between these two teams, they have played each other once a year for the past four years. For as long as this podcast has actually been around, yeah. the Bucks have been playing the Giants we, every we, year. We have, never, we have never not covered a Bucks-Giants game. <laughs> exactly. Uh, 2017, the Buccaneers won that one on a Nick Folk field goal to close things out, 25-23. to 2018, 38-35, Giants won that one. It's a game where Ryan Fitzpatrick started and Jameis Winston ended that game, almost completing the comeback, and I, I think that's a perfect representation of uh, the Dirt Cutter era of Tampa Bay football, right? I don't think there's a game that gives you a better idea of what that staff was all about than uh, that 2018 matchup. 2019, you just mentioned it, and I won't say much else, but uh, 32-31 Giants win that one. I don't know how. I, I have no idea. It may or may not have had something to do with that kicker and his ugly-ass cleats on my field. I always get so mad when I think about that game, not because of 
the missed kick, but because of the color of the cleats that Matt Gay had on, I will mm. never forgive him. But we talked about it with Bo Kennedy on, uh, you know, this week's earlier show. I just, I'll never forgive Mac uh, Gay and those neon ass green cleats that he went out there and lost us the game with. And then, of course, 2020, we look back to last season, the Super Bowl season. The Bucks still had a handful in New York. Monday Night Football, 25 to 23. And the only reason that game didn't end up any closer was because of uh, a failed two-point conversion at the very end of things, thanks to Antoine Winfield Jr. So, yeah, to say that the series is tight between these two teams and the Giants and the Bucks always play close is quite the understatement. I think the Giants lead the all-time series by, like, twice as many games, like 15-7 or 15-8 or something like that. But even the point differential in all those games is uh, pretty damn close. So, you know, when you look at this week's matchup, as much as we'd like to predict – the Bucks offense really starting to click again and steamrolling the Giants. I just I feel like so much is going to happen in this game that's going to piss everybody off, just like it happened last week in Washington. Regardless if it was a win or not, it's just a game that's probably going to piss some people off this week. Hey, quick ad break, but uh, let me tell you about our guys over at betonline.ag, one of our main sponsors of the podcast for over a year at this point. From basketball, football, baseball, postseason, NHL, boxing, UFC, right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, do not wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Head to the new updated desktop or a mobile website they have to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's bleav five zero to receive your bonus. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and a proud sponsor of the Cannon Fire Podcast. I think you bring up a good point where you say, you know, the, the, the game the Bucks lost in New York, 38 to 35. Um, the game the Giants lost in New York, twenty-five to twenty-three. All three-point games, basically. I, that, that's that's literally five points combined right there, right? And I think the Nick Folk field goal. I think that might have meant the Bucks won by either one or two, and then uh, I think the Giants won by by one in Tampa. Um, so yeah, it's it's been super close. And as much as you'd like to to come out and say, well, you know, the Giants aren't a good football team, they're not. Right, they're they're not a good football team, but history tells you that this is probably going to be closer than some Bucks fans would want, and um, maybe some media analysts expect because uh, I know people are down on the Bucks, but people also still think, well, well, the Giants, you know, so it's in Tampa, they got the Giants, they're just going to steamroll, and I don't think that's the case. I mean, as much as you'd like to see a you know a thirty-one to to ten win, I, I don't think you're you're going to see that this week for either team. So, uh, I think the Bucks should have a better showing, but I I do believe that the Giants are going to come out and they just they always play the Bucks tough, and I think they're they're really going to try and do it again. You know, and luckily for Tampa Bay, I think one of the stories that can be taken away from their recent luck is that the entire NFC, it seems like most of these top teams are. Uh, you know, in their own state of shambles, I, I guess. The Bucks, while they did drop two in a row, they basically slipped, I think, like a game and a half by, uh, behind the Packers and the Cardinals for the NFC top seed. Um, but obviously, they're still very competitive inside the NFC. They still have the first place lead in the division, which they are a full game ahead over New Orleans on. So 
you know, things are obviously still looking good for the Bucks. Six and three is not a terrible record. Uh, it's not like they weren't seven and five by the break last year. But well, they were also they they were six and three last year as well. So it, right. So the time for the Bucks, the the bye week is come and gone. So the time for them to start putting things together for the second half of the season as the playoffs start to approach and you really want to start making a run, this is where you do it. But, uh, you know, for Tampa Bay, it's obviously going to start Monday night in their own stadium against the New York Giants. Now, as we take a look at the injury front, we do have some good news this week. It seems like Rob Gronkowski, Sean Murphy, Bunting, and Scotty Miller could be good to go for Monday night's game. As so far, Antonio Brown is the only player for Tampa Bay who has been ruled out. Now, before we talk about Rob Gronkowski, SMB, and Scotty Miller. Uh, forgive me if this is a stupid question, but we can assume Vita Vey is not going to play this week because he did not practice at all. And so I, I think a lot of people are probably going to ask that question since Antonio Brown is really the only person they've come out and said is out. But I think it goes without playing that you're not going to see Vita Vea this week. Yeah, he's listed as doubtful right now. So, yeah, you're, you're not – you're not going to see him, but the good news is they didn't put him on IR. Yeah, right. They didn't place him that, so that means that they still believe he's going to return in a three-week period, right? And also, they didn't just automatically say he was out. They, uh, you know, they they listed him as doubtful. So yeah, he, I, he's not going to play, but it still opens the door for maybe next week. Or I, I still think week thirteen. I believe that's vers- that's in Atlanta. I think that's a little more realistic th- than next week, but um, it, it still is a positive sign that he wasn't really um, he won't he wasn't pronounced out today, right? And um, actually, even though Antonio Brown has been said to be out. Uh, Adam Schefter tweeted, you know, oh, Antonio Brown's out, whatever. But he did say that there is a real chance that AB could be back next week uh, to play against the Colts. So that that's a positive update there on Antonio Brown that seems like he's progressing a little bit and he should be back sooner rather than later as well. Yeah, and if we've heard that from anybody, I think it's probably Antonio Brown himself too. If you guys follow him on social media, specifically Instagram, uh, he's been posting all types of updates this week, talking about unfinished business and tagging the Buccaneers, showing some highlights of him catching passes and really just getting back in football shape. So if it wasn't going to be this week, definitely seems like it's going to be next week. And, you know, this is the Bucks offense where we can talk about how they're not exactly hurting without Antonio Brown. Uh, but the pace that this offense has been on these last two games definitely shows you that AB is without a doubt, a you know, an underrated part of that offense as much of a yeah. luxury as he is. <clears throat> Having him as a safety route is a hell of a lot better than checking it down to Leonard Fournette ten times a game. Well, they are. Um, they, I mean, so th- they are five and zero this season with Antonio Brown, and they're they're one and three with, without him, right? But <laughs> wow. but I will say, I I do want to I do want to put a disclaimer. Two of the three losses were against like the Rams, which is probably one of the toughest matchups for him. So I think even with Antonio Brown, I think they might lose that game. That's a tough road game. I think even with Antonio Brown, they might lose. And the other one was the Saints, another tough road game. So I think there's a chance they could have lost that one too. I do think they probably beat Washington if they're at full health, but that's not an excuse. Um, you, you know, but like I said, just – Yes, they are one and three, but those two, two of the three losses were probably their toughest game so far anyway. So, I mean, that that's kind of a, you know, oh, wow, he wasn't there. But I think even if he was there, they, they still probably wouldn't have won. So. Right. Well, uh, some of the other guys on that list, let's go ahead and talk about as they could be in action this week. 
Rob Gronkowski, I, I think this one's pretty short. We, we knew that started the Saints game, he was out there and then didn't finish the game, barely played at all just because he wasn't entirely ready to go. Well, three weeks have come and gone since then, and uh, looks like he's going to be good to go. So I'm curious to see what kind of pace he is on because uh, my expectations for him were probably a little high the week of the Saints game. I expected him to go out there and, and definitely be a factor and not be feeling the injury as much as he clearly was, or at least as much as this coaching staff let on. Um, but I'm curious to see where he can fit in this offense on Monday. If it's going to be one of those games where it's a you know a knockdown, drag out, last team with the ball kind of wins, well, if points are coming at a premium, then you definitely like to have a guy like Rob Gronkowski feeling healthy especially when it comes to the red zone, right? Any chance the Bucs can get to try and mm-hmm. put six points up on the board and just cause that much more separation is going to be really good news. But with Rob Gronkowski out of the way, really excited that he's going to be back and uh, hopefully he can do some good on this offense. But let's talk about Sean Murphy bunting because obviously this just yeah. seems to be, <laughs> you know, the most impactful player coming back. So, you know, Coming back after the elbow injury in week one, and uh, boy, the Bucks could use his help. So as of right now, they only have three healthy cornerbacks on the roster. Jamel Dean, Ross Cockrell, and Pierre Desir, who didn't even start the season on the team. Um, forgive me if I pronounce this guy's name incorrectly, but I believe it is uh, Bleedy Ray Wilson, yep. a veteran who will likely move up on the active roster this week. So without SMB, that's that's pretty much all you got. If SMB is good to go, he's probably going to be your starter. I know Jamel Dean has had a pretty good stretch of the season, and I think we have to commend him for stepping up the way that he has with the absence of everybody else around him. But, uh, you know, SMB back out there is going to be huge for this secondary as they try to just get back to the football they were playing at the second half of 2020. Oh, yeah, but, I mean, I still think Jamel Dean's going to be, like, the guy, right? I mean, yeah. you got to remember, right? Sean, Sean Murphy Bunting hasn't played football in nearly two months, right? Um, it's it's actually it, – it's over two months, actually. Um, September 9th, this was the opening night, was the last time he played football. So, it, it's not going to be, I don't think, all sunshine and, and rainbows, you know, when, when he comes back. There's might be a little adjustment, and maybe he is on a snap count. Who knows? Um, maybe he's on a, a 20, 20 snap, right? Or, or 25 snaps, or you'll see how the game goes. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely huge because, I mean, there was a lot of people um, when the injury happened that thought, oh, his season might be done because they thought that's like, that's a fracture. That's, that's something like, well, I mean, when you, you, when you look at the replay, it was nothing short, but brutal. Like it, mm-hmm. it looked way worse than I guess it was since he's able to come back at pretty much the halfway point of the season. But yeah, it was a pretty, pretty rough injury to go out with week one. Yeah. So, I mean, and basically, you know, you got to remember that was in the first quarter that was on Dallas's second drive of the game. So this man, you know, he hasn't played a football game. Like he hasn't played a full football game since the Super Bowl. was, that was the last time he played a full football game. Um, so there, there's going to be a little bit of an adjustment period, I think. And we'll see how the giants target him. I think they could target him. I, I think Bucks fans are going to be frustrated with him already because I think he's going to give up some catches because the giants know the giants know the situation that he's been in as well. Mm-hmm. The same exact situation I'm laying out here. And it just makes sense just to target him. The, the, you know, the, with the Patriots a few weeks ago, they just, the Bucks just signed Richard Sherman. Sherman only had a few days of practice target him. That's what they did. Um, so I think it would be smart for the giants to target him. And that's, I can already see Twitter, you know, 
boiling over and saying, oh, you don't even need him back and cut him and just, you know, take it easy on this week. It's nice to have him back, though. It is nice. Um, Carlton Davis, the other corner, the big one, right? That, that That's yeah. the big piece. Um, he was running th- this past week. He he is so – some people would ask me this, and that's why I wanted, I wanted to bring this up really fast. Um, they asked me, they said, so is, is Carlton Davis still out? And I said, yeah, he is. Um, they actually – they haven't even opened up his 21-day – uh, period yet to practice so that means that they still don't feel he's quite ready they want to add a little bit of flexibility so i still think i think week 13 i think again week 13 versus atlanta might be a realistic uh date uh, greg allman speculated that it's possible that they uh they open up his window next week his 21 day practice window next week uh so he's you know able to practice next week but then play the following week perhaps um but we'll see it seems like he's getting closer to a return as well obviously sherman's gonna be on the shelf for a little bit and um but it's still nice to get smb back who i mean was up and down obviously all last year and didn't really play well versus dallas but it's still you just Better than having, you know, guys that you didn't have on the roster. Uh, you got to, re- you know, rely on Bleedy Ray Wilson and D Delaney and, and all those other guys. Um, so it, it's nice to, to have him have him back. And we'll see how much he plays, but it's, it'll be nice to have him out there. Yeah, and a good point by our buddy Tony Saylor here in the live chat. It's going to be an adjustment getting SMB back. You aren't exactly getting back an all-pro defensive back. And, and like yeah, you alluded course. to, Evan, uh, the lack of overall – full speed game experience he has on the season injury will do that but um you know it's going to be a learning process not only for him but his other teammates as they try and get him back up to speed as to where they are as a defense this point in the season really quickly before we go any further shout out to everybody in the live chat uh emily compa by the way says hey red ask coach evan what his outlook on what to Mm. do to get a definite win on monday we will at the very end of the show we are going to have uh the weekly checklist which basically evan's going to break down two three four things the buccaneers need to do to definitely come out with a victory so that segment is coming i promise uh tapazio also in here the willie beeman the moderator holding it down uh he says i hope our guys have a better showing next monday i heard recently the wife wants tom brady to retire so she can start building a modeling agency i am a little concerned about the uh the goats focus lately she she's wanted him to retire since like 2015 yeah yeah i mean (laughs) it it doesn't shock me when we hear more and more stories of giselle not wanting tom brady to continue playing football i i don't worry about his focus this year because i think me and evan we're gonna die on the hill as far as i know we're the only podcast who has continued to tell you this since last year's super bowl win Um, But Tom Brady is fully committed to the rest of this season, of course, and then next season as well. So, like, it, it's going to happen. You know what I mean? After this season, I feel like they're still going to have one more chance unless Tom Brady just, God forbid, plays terrible down the stretch, which shouldn't happen. Um, You know, I I think we're good to go for Tom at least another year. I don't think his focus is off, but I do want to get your thoughts really quickly, Evan, before we break down this game. Uh, let's talk about where Tom Brady is at headed into this game. So before the contest against Washington, he was the betting favorite for NFL MVP. I think he probably still is top three on the list for NFL MVP. Uh, the two interceptions he threw against Washington isn't going to derail the season he has had so far. He has played some incredible football still among the top of the league as far as production over the air goes. But 
it seems like there is this uh, this narrative that has come away from the Washington game that I just don't think is entirely true. Um, it, it's almost like people said Tom was playing scared or Tom was scared to get hit or maybe Tom Brady was, quote, seeing ghosts against Washington. Um, and I will say, got to give quick props to our guys over at Pewter Report. John Ledyard and Will put out a, uh, a film review, the All-22 after the Washington game. And they broke down literally every single Tom Brady pass and, and decided if it was, you know, maybe should have been a check down, if he wasn't seeing something that was open, which obviously happened a couple of times, if he was rattled on that play, because he took a hit on the first drive of that game that a lot of people assume just took him out of the game mentally. But, like, I think John Ledyard said it best. Let's look at this no. realistically. <laughs> let's let's use some common sense here. Tom Brady has been taking hits like that and playing the game of football the best in the league at his position for in the NFL years. for 20 plus years. I, I don't think a hit he's been doing year, it longer than I've been alive. Exactly. I don't <laughs> think a, I don't think a hit in year 20 something is going to, uh, you know, to throw off his focus. But, you know, what are your thoughts on where Tom Brady's at? Like it, we can expect him to come in here and slice and dice this, this Giants defense. But at the beginning of the show, we also talked about how New York finds ways to play Tampa Bay tough. And if this offense cannot get going, the way that a lot of people are hoping they do against a bad football team, you know, what, what's everybody's, uh, what, what's everybody's state of mind then? So what are your thoughts on Brady coming into this one? Yeah. Well, as far as the MVP goes, um, speaking as a, as a person who just, just watched an MVP season, shout out Bryce Harper. Oh, I thought you were um, going to say speaking as an MVP yourself. <laughs> that's right. You know, speaking, speaking. I could have gone MVP. that way. <laughs> Speaking as a fellow MVP, um, he need, Tom needs to get on my level. That's that's what he needs to do. Um, He's got to block anyway, out the distractions. Yeah, I mean, a wife. Yeah. Come on, buddy. Do you, do you, uh, you want to be a family a wife, man or do you want to be a winner? Come on, a, a wife who's a model? Are you kidding me? <laughs> See, me being single—that's that's me winning. That that's what that is. <laughs> that's a championship right? mindset. That, that's what it. No, no distractions. <laughs> Limit no distractions. distractions. Yeah, yeah. Don't um, talk about pliability. Come on, Tom. um anyways um you you know the mvp is you got to maintain that excellence right but in the nfl it's it's sort of a little bit more um so the finalists in the in the mlb this this past season the three finalists none of them made the playoffs um the the three finalists they were on teams that did not make the playoffs for the NFL, that's almost a requirement, right? right I mean, yeah. you, you can't miss the playoffs and be considered an MVP because, you know, like if you're – baseball is more individual and football is more of a team. So if you're, you know, if you're not doing your job, you won't win the MVP or win many games. So I think Brady has a few more games here. The Washington game didn't derail his MVP bid, but it also didn't help. Like it hurt more than it helped, obviously. Um, getting upset like that, having two interceptions, even if one of them isn't his fault. And I still, when I looked at it again, I still think that should be a fumble. And that's, an yeah, what, third third or fourth pick on the year for old TB12 that just isn't really. Oh, uh, I mean, you know. at the end of the season, I'm going to go through every single one and we're just going to talk. We're going to do a full show about those and just say how ridiculous they are. Um, he said the worst luck. Um, but, you know, MVPs have to rise to the occasion, right? He didn't do it against the Saints, whatever. But he did against Dallas the week one, right? Let him on the drive to win the game. Uh, the Bucks are actually undefeated in primetime right now. They have not lost on primetime yet. Wow. Uh, they, beat, 
I mean, you know, for all the struggles we heard last year, right? Yeah, if, uh, if there was an adjustment to be made between the 20 team and the 21 team, that's definitely something we can talk about. Yeah, they, they beat Dallas. They beat Philly. They beat – um, what was the other one? They beat New England. That was yeah. the other one. They're, they're, they're 3-0. <laughs> Um, kind of a kind of a forgettable game, honestly. I, was, I don't blame you for that was. one. Um, it was the one game that Tom Brady didn't throw a touchdown, actually. Yeah. Um, but he had. I think he. When I'm looking at the schedule, they the MVP voters like to see dominance, but they like to see it on national television too. And I'm looking at three more games. Brady has to play lights out in these three games to have a realistic shot MVP. And obviously, the Bucks have to win and stuff like that. Like I get it. This game is the first one because it's a primetime game. All eyes are going to be on you. Monday night football, right? It's not Sunday night football where there's a whole day of games. You're the only game on that night, all right? The whole world's going to be watching you. Week 14 versus Buffalo, that's probably going to be CBS or Fox's national game, right? It's a big-time game against, you know, potentially a Super Bowl preview. And then the Sunday night football game versus the Saints week 15 in Tampa, the exact rematch of last year's debacle. It's going to be for the whole world to see how you're going to respond. And I think those are the three games Brady's really going to have to play well in to maintain the MVP level. However, as far as Washington, look, it just, like you said about the hit. Yeah. He's not going to get rattled after what, 22 years of doing this after one hit. So he was fine. It, it, a lot of it was what Washington was doing. Yes, he missed a few throws. They'd like to have back. That's probably every game. But, I, yeah, I, they lost many other reasons besides him. Yeah. Well, as we talk about, uh, you know, the Bucks getting back on track, let's also go ahead and start diving into this Giants game. Not only what it means for Tom Brady if he wants to continue being relevant in the MVP conversation, but what it means for the Bucks if they just want to continue winning games this season. Uh, I think for Tampa Bay in this matchup, it all starts with discipline. The Bucks have dropped their last two games, and when you look at both of those games together, it's a combination of turnovers, penalties, self-inflicted wounds, just stupid BS that should not be an issue by Week 10, Week 11 of your season if you are a Super Bowl contender, which the Buccaneers, I think, definitely still can be. Um, but I, I think that's where this game starts, right? <laughs> Let's... Let's break down what's most important in this matchup, and I just I wanted to get your uh, you know your answer here to this, but yeah, it's got to be the penalties, man. I'm I'm so tired of just bitching and moaning about this every single week. I feel like I feel like every episode of the show this year, at least in a game preview aspect, has been about or at some point been about stupid mistakes, penalties, just unneeded mistakes, and uh, it's as simple as that. Yeah, and I mean they weren't as bad in Washington as they were in, in New Orleans. Um, no, they weren't agree. They weren't as egregious by any means. There were still some calls yeah. though. There were there were some frustrating ones. Uh, it wasn't, and there also wasn't that bad of officiating in Washington. Um, you know, the New Orleans one, it was kind of the Bucks losing discipline plus some awful officiating. Yeah, the one in Washington wasn't terrible, um, but I mean, Will Golston on a third and two jumping off sides. Hey, come on, man! Like if it's Joe Tryon, whatever. Right. You're a rookie. You're this is like your eighth or ninth year in the league. Like, come on. You can't be making those mistakes. Like, you know better. You know exactly what they're trying to do. Like, you know, it was right. I think it was what right before the two minute warning of the uh, second quarter, right before the half. Like, you know what they're trying to do, man. Like, 
just don't jump. And they did. And that's that lack of discipline. So you're right. I mean, it's been a big story and, you know, they, they don't, they, they beat the saints. If they just limit, limit those penalties. I said on that, on the post game show, if they cut the penalties in half that game, they, they win and they probably win by like 10 points. Um, so that's another win. Washington, I think it was just them playing bad. I don't necessarily think penalties made them lose the game in that one as much as they did New Orleans. But it's still the fact remains that it's still an issue. Um, it got better in Washington, but it's still not where you want to be because it's not like pass interference. It's not, oh, I, I you know, oh, this guy was beating me and I grabbed him. No, it's the stupid ones. It's the the personal fouls after the play. It's the the false starts, the the encroachments. That's what it's been, and that's what makes it so frustrating, right? It's not um, an egregious roughing the passer, right? Or or like I said, a pass interference or a holding. It's a it's a false start. It's all the pre snap stuff, right? And that's what they really have to eliminate. And it's got to start this week. And I mean, you can get away with it against the bad football team, right? They didn't last week. But with the Giants this week is the bad football team. You can get away with it. However, you don't even want that to be a story anymore. You just you want to put yeah. that to bed. You you want you want that to be done, right? You you can't have that become this storyline every single week of every single game like it's been this season so far. So um, they they definitely have to clean it up. And I mean, you know, if if that happens in the playoffs, you're going to be going home pretty early. So they did a great job last year. They need to do it again this year. Yeah, when you talk about building an identity as a football team throughout the scope of an entire 17-game season now, you know, it takes a while to really start to pick up some of the nuances that teams are going to know you by. But this far into the season, if you're still having trouble with stupid penalties and just preventable mistakes, well, unfortunately, that's going to be – it's going to become part of your identity as a football team. But, uh, you know, Kevin in the live chat brings up another great point, one of our moderators here. And I think this can be accounted to some of why the Bucks have lost their last two games. Um, aside the turnovers, aside from the penalties, it's a lot of low-energy football, it, it seems like. There's a couple of times where we said during the Washington game, it's like these guys looked lethargic out there, almost like they – Either uh-huh. didn't want to be yeah. there or they're just tired or, or what it is. But uh, <laughs> Coming off the bye week. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. You had two weeks to prepare for a terrible team, and they look like they're half asleep out there. But Kevin brings this up, and I want to know your thoughts. He says, uh, in my opinion, the Bucks have lost their physicality. And I think as we talk about football identity for team to team, that's something that especially this Bucks defense was uh, you know, was touted for in 2020 was not only their speed but their physicality at the game of football. And I guess that goes over to the offense, too, because you look at the offensive line and what is a lot of those guys known for the technique, but the physicality um, And Kevin makes a great point here. It just doesn't seem like the Bucks have had a whole lot of that in uh, these last two games. So, yeah, I mean, it definitely doesn't. However, I will say as far as the energy, um, I think they just had too much energy in New Orleans. Yeah, uh, I think they would just... tucker themselves out or. I know. I'm just saying, like, as far as like the differences, the Devin White taunting when he got in Mark yeah. Ingram's face, it just yeah. they were too riled up in New Orleans. They need to find a medium. Like, and yeah, they looked like they were dead versus Washington, but you know, they need to find a medium between what they were in New Orleans versus what they were against Washington. You need to need to find that middle, right? Because that yeah. middle is where you should be. Getting too riled up, that gets you the taunting. That gets you the personal fouls after the play. That gets you the unsportsmanlike conduct. You can't have that. 
But if you have a lack of energy, then you're just going to, you're going to go out and lose the giants. Like, like that's what's going to happen, you know, being at home or not, like you're going to go out and lose. And I, I think, you know, Bruce Arians sort of said that, you know, they had a good week of practice and they just kind of thought that they were going to roll in and, and, and get, take care of business. That's not how it's done. What does that sound like? That sounds like every kind of warning that you've gotten of why teams don't repeat as Super Bowl champions. They think, oh, we've been there. We've done that. Okay. They're not understanding that on the other side is a group of, uh, is a group of 53 players that want nothing more than to beat the defending champions. That's and every they just, team and, they play the season. Yeah. It's, it's that team Super Bowl. They want yeah, that, nothing that, that's more. Why, that's why there's very little blowouts. You know, like their two blowouts are what? Miami and Chicago, right? I mean, they haven't blown anybody else out. I mean, even Atlanta, week two. Atlanta was dead in the water. They right, ended up fighting and coming back. Scoreboard was a little deceiving towards the tail end of things, I think. Yeah, it, it was closer than, you know, the two pick sixes or whatever. Like, you know, it's, you know, you're going to get every team's best shot. And that's why people... You know, I should say teams don't repeat because they're not ready for that. And maybe the Bucks aren't ready for that. We'll see. We got a whole season left. You know, we'll see what happens. But um, I, I definitely think their physicality is is lacking. Um, Tapasio says the Bucks personality is a reflection of its coaches and lack of character too. I think they got plenty of character. Um, <laughs> I, I don't. I think they got plenty of character, but this was actually going to be my follow-up question for you because I'm curious to hear your take on this one too. Uh, you know, the players and the execution of the players on the field is, of course, going to be probably the first topic that we talk about on the podcast every week. But every now and again, we got to kind of reel things back, look at the broader picture of what a football team is and have the conversation about coaching. So mm-hmm. I guess as we're giving out midseason report cards here, what are your thoughts on the coaching decisions so far this year? Because if you ask a lot of Bucks Twitter uh, you know, Bruce Arians is just this delirious old man who's sipping on his yak every single day. So I, 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 you know, I'm not sure what the tone of this conversation is like to you because I, I've tried my best to block out the noise, but uh, there are certain decisions every now and again that really start to make you wonder. And I mean, with the role Bruce Arians hasn't exactly been shy about on this team too, it's not like he's as intensive of a hands-on head coach as he was in, in Arizona or even as like an assistant in Indianapolis. Yeah, but that's I don't, I don't know. That's sort of always been his style. I just uh, he's never been that that guy that's going to be that hands on, even in Arizona. Sure. Right. Was he a little bit more? Sure. But like he trusts his coaches. Now, I will say as far as the defensive side of things, Todd Bowles was in a tough spot. Right. I mean, when you got your first, second and third string corners gone the guy you sign to be basically your second slash third string corner gone. gone. I mean, D Delaney, your fifth corner on the depth chart to start the season gone. I mean, it's just, you know, it, it's tough. Um, he was without Levante David for, for what, two games. Um, where I, I think it was actually he only missed one, but still, I mean, Todd Bowles, he did what he could, you know, there, there's still, He's still lacking in the secondary, obviously. Uh, but on the offensive side of things, you know, it, it's weird. Um, you know, Byron Leftwich gets a lot of, like, not a lot of the the blame as much as Bruce Arians does when they struggle. But Arians gets a lot of the praise when they do well. Um, but I think it's all three of them. It's it's Brady, it's, it's Leftwich, and it's Arians. I mean, people think Arians just sits there and does nothing. 
Like, I guarantee you, for one, he's never been a defensive guy, right? And he trusts Todd Bowles, so he's going to he's gonna basically leave the defense to Todd Bowles. I, I fully, truly believe that he just he lets Todd Bowles do his thing. If there's something that he thinks is, you know, not right, he'll say it, right? We know Bruce Arians isn't afraid to say something, but I think on the offensive side of things, he's more involved. But that's been disappointing because, I mean, we how many times do we have to say it? Washington had the 32nd-ranked pass defense, and the Bucks put up 19 points. Right. So you think coming off of the bye week, this group of offensive masterminds, right, these three guys, um, the greatest quarterback of all time, one of the, you know, considered one of the offensive great coaches, you know, in in, in recent memory. Um, and then Byron Leftwich, who was an up-and-coming guy. Um, but – it's uh, it's not right now, and I mean in New Orleans it looked a little bit tough. Um, like I said, they're they're the issues on the road have been well documented, and I mean they still have not scored over thirty points on the road. I predicted them too in Washington. You predicted them too. James predicted them too, and they didn't. That and, was that uh, was our first mistake. Was all three of us picking them to win last Sunday? Yeah, yeah. I should have I should have broke the chain or something. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know it's. I don't know. I, it's obviously I'm not, I'm not in the, I'm not in the meetings, right? I'm not there. So I can't tell you what's going on, but it's, you know, when, whenever you're coming off of bye week and you act like, you know, you're, you've been there, done that. And you act kind of like with no energy. Yeah. That, that is coaching. Um, that is, you know, that is partly coaching, but also like you said earlier, you know, Bruce Harrings can't go out and play quarterback, man. <laughs> like, I you mean, know, he, can. Bowl, he top, can. They could. I'd actually, I'd, like he has quarterback experience. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, Todd Bowles can't go out there. He's not going out there and covering these wide receivers. Like, yeah, play over the top. Point, play over the top. Well, Just be a blanket safety. Todd, Todd Bowles wasn't the guy who jumped off sides on a third and two. Like, at some yeah. point, it's 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 got to fall on the players as well. It also it has to fall on the coaches, but it, it's got to fall on the players as well. And both have to be better. That That's pretty simple. So uh, let's take some silver lining out of this conversation before we – you know, start to really dive into this game against New York. Willie Beeman and Kevin in the live chat both make some great points here. Willie says the media won't say it, but I will. I think it's very impressive to see a six and three record with our injury riddled defense. And then Kevin follows up and says the defense is not Smith bad as in Lovey Smith and Mike Smith, mm-hmm. which I will definitely Absolutely. give him credit for. Uh, so give Bulls some credit for working what, I, I, with I'll, what I'll he give- has right now. I'll give Bulls credit, but also I will say the the defense right now has more talent on it than those both of Lovey Smith and Mike Smith's defenses did. Yeah, like I mean, like at, even at, with at, even with an injury riddled secondary, yeah. like you didn't have Devin Devin White for any of those. Uh, you didn't have Shaq Barrett. You had Jason Pierre-Paul for one year in Mike Smith's defense. Like you didn't have Vita Vea really you had for one year, I think. So, like, there's a lot more. But I mean, yeah, you gotta give Bulls credit with what they've been able to do with that. So, yeah. um. Yeah, I mean, it's like I said, it's got to fall on the players and, and the coaches. Um, the, the issue with with what Willie said is, yeah, it's impressive to see a six and three record, but it should be seven and two, should be eight and one. Um, that's that's the frustrating thing, and that's the reason why I think most Bucks fans are like really frustrated with this team right now, is because they know they should be better. Like, yeah, like they know they're better than the Saints. They're better than the the football team. Are they better than the Rams? That's debatable. Okay, that's that's one loss. You can say, okay, you're on the road. What you didn't have Antonio Brown, Rob Gronkowski got hurt. You know, you didn't have Sean Murphy bunting. Whatever, right? Like that. Whatever that game happens. 
but the Saints game and the, and the football team game, that's that's the two that I think have fans most frustrated because you should and probably you could and probably should be eight and one right now, or at the very worst, seven and two, and you're not. And you're you're putting yourself in a tough spot to get the one seed. Uh, you really are. I, I have no doubts they're gonna make the playoffs, but I have my doubts that they're gonna they're gonna get the the one seed now. It, it seems like that's I don't know. It seemed like they had their opportunity and they just they really blew it there. And I, I think they're gonna need a lot of luck down the stretch to to land that one seed now. Yeah, well, something I was screaming, you know, all over the place last week is that uh, basically it is up for the Bucks to decide what kind of team they want to be throughout the rest of the season. When we look at 2020 uh, with Tom Brady at the helm, this Bucks team has never lost more than two games in a row without coming back and winning. So obviously it's a high pressure situation with yeah. Monday Night Football against the Giants, a team that you always play close, potentially being number three. Not that I think it will, but you, you know, pressure is is high for a lot of people. And I think for the fans that you had said get get frustrated, they just want to see these guys play, right? That's that's well, going to be the know, solution to all of these problems that everybody has. Is when we finally are able to watch them play sixty minutes of football again to see if they possibly learned anything from you know a worse yeah. NFC East team the week before. Uh, you know, it's going to answer a lot of questions for everybody. Yeah, and I do think the Giants are worse than the football team. Yes, oh, uh, and also, and also, this game is in Tampa, so this game should. Um, but you know, I, I, I always say, it. what do I tell you? And I say it on Twitter. You know, I've been saying it for years. Fans get way too high on the wins, and they get way too low on the losses. Right there, yes, it was a terrible loss against Washington. Should have never happened. I said in the pregame show, right, live from Barry House, I said, you know, good football teams, they don't, they win the games you should win, and the Bucks should have won that game. However, I'm seeing some stuff that's like, oh, this and that and that and that, and like, chill out. All right, chill out on that. Like, I understand being frustrated. There's questions, obviously, but like, yeah, they're, they're going to make the playoffs. Like, that, they'll be fine, okay? Like, they're you know, I just, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, so with that being said, we've now been, I think almost an hour into this podcast. Yeah. About 45 minutes. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the giants, huh? Let's, let's do it, man. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we talked about the injuries for the bucks. Let's go ahead and bring things full circle and look at what is going on for New York. Now, you know, the biggest thing is running back. Saquon Barkley may or may not be back this week. Do you have an idea of how realistic yeah, so- that looks? So Willie had mentioned that, you know, Barkley was out and I, I am looking at their injury report here. He was an ankle. Um, he's been limited all week and he's questionable. So maybe he's a game time decision. Um, obviously one of the big ones is Logan Ryan who tested positive for COVID. Uh, he is out. So that's a, that's a big loss for the giants defense. He does a lot for them. Uh, he's a good player and um, he knows Brady well, but uh, yeah, that's a big loss for them. But, yeah, as far as Barkley goes, I'm not sure. Right now he's listed as questionable, um, as well as Devontae Booker, Colin Gillespie, and Caden Smith are all listed as questionable, while Lorenzo Carter, Nate Ebner, Logan Ryan, and Sterling Shepard. Sterling Shepard, who I always really liked. I always thought he was an underrated receiver. But um, they're they're all out. So uh, I'm not sure. I I think Barkley will play in some capacity. I'm not sure. I don't know if he played last week or not, but – I, th- I think I think he'll play if he plays in some capacity. I think my follow up point to this was I, I still would expect like a huge workload for him, not only because teams just even though at this point in the season, we have started to see some holes in this defense teams still by and large don't think it's a great idea to run the ball against Tampa Bay. 
So I don't think putting the ball in Barkley's hands 20 times a game when he's fresh off of injury is going to be the route they want to take, at least if they know what's good for them. But I do think he can take some pressure off of Daniel Jones in the end zone because uh, the Giants, I believe, off the top of my head, are the 32nd ranked team as far as red zone offense goes. And I'm sure not having Saquon Barkley is going to do a lot of that. So you look at Washington, and uh, as much as it pains me to do this, you go back to the final drive of the game. It was 10 minutes long, and a lot of what they were able to do was convert on third down from running the football because the Buccaneers were simply gassed at that point. So Antonio Gibson had himself some highlight reel plays on that last drive. But uh, if the Giants are you know, in a position to where they can chew the clock and just try and run some things down, it's favorable field position, maybe that's where you see a heavy load of Saquon Barkley. But with that being said, I, I don't know how uh, impactful he'll be for this game, at least for the oh, Giants on offense. Well, Jason Garrett said something the other day. I forget. John Ledger uh, quote tweeted it. I'm going to find it. But he said something the other day along the lines of like, oh, Tampa wants you to – they, they want you to, to run the ball or something. And <laughs> I was like, what? Like, um, what? I was like, okay. What? Uh, um, so uh, let me see. I can't really find it. But anyways, uh, the one, the one thing that I will say is that what worries me about this giants offense is um, they have a sneaky group of wide receivers. Uh, Darius Slayton's a good player. They signed Kenny Galladay is a good player. Obviously, like I said, they're without Sterling Shepard, so that helps. Um, but they have a decent skill group of guys, and uh, they could give the Bucks problems. But yeah, Jason Garrett uh, said Bucks are okay. Here we go. Yeah, Bucks are built to rush the QB and chase the ball carrier. They don't want you to run right at them. So are we going to get like thirty? Are we going to get like thirty Saquon Barkley carries or what? Um, uh, I hope we do. I I hope they give Saquon well, Barkley you, the, the you, ball. You, you hope the, you you hope they do, but at the same time, who are the Bucks going to be missing? Pretty big yeah. piece. Yeah, uh, Vea, literally so. big piece in the middle. There. Yeah, Their first so, game this season without Vita Vea. Yeah, so and that's you know you know we'll see, but um, I think those receivers could give the Bucks a little bit of trouble. I think the biggest thing is getting pressure on Daniel Jones. I know I say that for just about every quarterback, but um. You know, it, they got to do it. And last year when they got pressure on him, they got pressure on him twice, and it led to interceptions, one by Carlton Davis and one by Sean Murphy Bunting. Both were pressures, I believe, by Shaq Barrett, um, who was just, I mean, killed the Giants when, in a Bucks uniform. Yeah, and that right. was his first – that game versus the Giants 2019 was like his first, like, big day as a Buck. So, um, yeah, you know, it's uh, – I think it's going to be actually a kind of a tricky matchup. I, I do. And I think especially if they can't get after Daniel Jones, which the pass rush was, they had five sacks, but some of that was deceiving. I mean, Shaq Bear and Jesse Beer Paul were invisible basically last week. Uh, they need to step up. Um, so we'll see what happens. I mean, Daniel Jones can run, and that's always the thing that, that hurts the Bucs. Yeah. I thought Jalen Hurts was going to do it more in Philly. He didn't uh, against the Bucs, but um, – I think Daniel Jones is not afraid to to just if there's nothing there, he's just gonna run. I think the Bucks gotta do a good job of keeping contained while also you gotta get pressure on. I just you, you gotta make him uncomfortable. Once you force him into bad decisions, he's prone to turnovers. He just yeah. he is. Well, uh Jason Pierre Paul, Buccaneers outside linebacker, Super Bowl champion with both the New York Giants and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which actually kind of sounds weird to say, doesn't it? But uh JPP, regardless of the injury history he has had, even throughout this season, 
he basically came out and made it his personal vendetta to rain hellfire upon Daniel Jones this week. Uh, he basically came out in a press conference and not only talked about how he needs to step up his level of play, regardless of the injury, but uh, he's made it his personal mission to just terrorize the Giants. So hopefully yeah, with whatever. a little extra motivation. Yeah, yeah, you don't buy it anymore from uh, from JPP? I mean, he's, he says that every year. And, like, he just, yeah. I don't know. I he, he talks a big game against the Giants. And, like, I think he had a – he might have had a sack last season. I know he had a sack, I think, in 2018. But obviously, he didn't play in 2019 because the the car the crash, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Um. So he didn't play in that game. 2018, he played. Then 2020, I don't know. Like he always for a guy who talks such a big game about that, I expect a big game. And he just had like, oh, yeah, he was there. He was all right. But like, yeah, like all right, time to step up. Then like, step up and get two and a half sacks. Yeah. Step up and get two and a half sacks of one being a strip sack. Like wreck the game. Then you know it's um. I don't know. So I'll believe it when I see it from him. Yeah. Well, I know we talked about the expectations for the Buccaneers on defense kind of coming into this one with the secondary Sean Murphy bunting potentially coming back. Maybe he'll get a lot of targets if he's playing out of the slot. Then, uh, you know, we'll have to see what happens when you have some athletic receivers against Tampa Bay and you have a quarterback who can't necessarily hit the deep ball like a guy like Daniel Jones. It's almost a perfect recipe for just checkdowns all afternoon and, uh, you know, constant six, seven, eight nine-yard completions with maybe hmm. a little bit of yak afterwards, right? Yeah, that sounds just like every other offense going up yeah. against the box. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, if there's one thing you can be sure of this week, I think it's going to be Daniel Jones trying his damnedest to get the ball out as quickly as he can. But, of course, that's where the pressure you talked about comes in. But let's go ahead and look at the other side of the football as we start to wrap up this game preview. For the Bucks. I think it's pretty cut and dry on offense. You are missing Antonio Brown, so you're going to be counting on guys like Tyler Johnson maybe to step up in some capacity, which – by the way, it wasn't needs the to be strongest. better. Yeah, it wasn't the strongest game for him against Washington, and the uh, the film was able to show that. But yeah, th- this is where if, if they're going to move on from Chris Godwin, this isn't a ringing endorsement for Tyler Johnson. Yeah, um, but I, I did he's wanna, had his opportunity, and he needs to be better. I, I did want to highlight the biggest thing about New York on defense, and it's that uh, if you're going to beat Tom Brady. Well, it's going to come mostly from pressure up the middle. I mean, I see we, we saw Washington make some noise last week and made it a hard-fought day for the guys on the interior offensive line, and New York doesn't seem like it's going to be much different of an afternoon. I mean, you're going to need the offensive line to step up here, but I'm looking specifically at that front-line duo of Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence. A couple of big, fat guys in the middle of your line to clog things up. One of them is an absolute sack machine this year. Um I think it's Dexter Williams has got five or six sacks so far. I mean, do you mean Dexter? Which one is it? You combine their names. Oh, did I? I'm sorry. Dexter Lawrence. Lawrence. No, Leonard Williams. Leonard Williams, I think, has five or six sacks on the season. So, so you know what I mean. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, you know, Ali Marpet, I think, had one of the worst games I've saw in a in a while from him. Yeah, it was pretty bad, and Jonathan Allen really took advantage of him a lot. So. I expect a better performance from him. Alex Kappa, we'll see. But, yeah, it's going to be a big day for Kappa, Jensen, Marpet. Those those three guys are, are going to have to play well. And um, I, I trust the tackles at this point, Donovan Smith and Tristan Wirfs. You know, I, I, I really do. I, I trust them. I know Donovan Smith has that play every now and then. But, um, yeah, I, I do trust them. I just think the interior is going to be a big key. Oh, yeah. 
for sure. Uh, Tapazio on the live chat says, first, maybe second dumb penalty, I stop watching, and then I only watch when Brady is being beautiful in the pocket. And I am only reading your comment because I wanted to just talk about how that's, you know, selectively watching the game of football, which a lot of people get called out for nowadays when their takes aren't exactly up to par. So I don't know if that was a strategy you're super proud about, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Watch the full game, man. Watch the game twice. Like, watch all of it. You know what I mean? Why? I don't know. Why turn it off and then and then spout opinions on this team? That's just a weird weird thing. i mean i'm i'm fine with you know if you want to watch like select parts of the game just don't don't try and act like you're what you say has any like eh, i don't know wait then I don't you know. know we do appreciate you watching the podcast i promise uh evan i wanted to get your thoughts for the buccaneers on offense we, we talked about the interior offensive line some of the guys who were in the hot seat last week i think are in the hot seat yet again this week but are there any other matchups that you see, uh, you know, could give the Bucks trouble or anything that you think they really could excel in this week? Well, um, so I think the Bucks are going to really want to get Mike Evans involved. Um, well, because, with Antonio Brown can, out, I think there's zero reason he should have as many targets this week as he did last week. Well, I'm going to say that there's there's an issue with that, and I'm going to say why. Um I think they're going to want to get Mike Evans involved because with one touchdown, he will break the Buccaneers record for most touchdowns in, in franchise history, which was previously held by Mike Allstott, who you can hear on the intro of the show. Uh, Rhett's favorite player of all time. Tony's yeah, favorite, favorite player. So, man, so Tony's favorite player is going to overtake Rhett's favorite player. That's crazy. Oh, yeah, all right. Um, that nuts? I, I mean, listen, Mike Allstott is, is probably my favorite Buck of all time, but Mike Evans has already made a very strong case for number two. Um, I, Mike I, Evans is like Mike. Mike Allstott broke that record when he was like what thirty something. Mike Evans yeah, like twenty eight. Yeah, that's insane. <laughs> Just the level of production. I understand, like this guy. You know, nowadays with the NFL, like it's easier for a receiver and stuff. Like I get it, but yeah, it's just crazy. Well, and what's um, crazy about Allstott doing it as well is is we kind of reflect on this record before it is inevitably broken before the end of this season. Is that Mike Allstott was a fullback? Okay, yeah. when when you look at the NFL history books, I'm not really sure unless it's maybe a team like the Dolphins or the Colts. I, I really cannot think of an NFL team whose all-time leading scorer is a fullback. And like that's just that's just what made him so dynamic was that, you know, he was a fullback on the roster, but they could have plugged him in at running back and he was among the best in the league and just trucking MFers out of the way. I mean, nobody ran the ball like Mike Allstott. And nobody ever will again in the history of the game, which is why he's my favorite player of all time. But yeah, Mike Evans, definitely number two. Here's the issue. Mike Evans is going up against James Bradbury, who has gotten the better of Mike Evans in nearly every matchup they have played. Uh, Mike Evans normally does not do very well against James Bradbury. There's something about him. Uh, Whenever Bradbury was in Carolina, you know, Evans didn't do very well. Um and then, you know, this past uh, year versus the Giants, um, I, I do forget. Uh, I know Mike Evans did have a touchdown, okay? So I'll put that out there. He had a touchdown. Um, but, yeah, he only had 55 yards, five receptions, 55 yards and a touchdown. It's not bad, but, like, it's not um, it's not what you're looking for out of Mike Evans, especially when Antonio Brown's going to be out. Now, last year versus the Giants, they also didn't have Antonio Brown. So, um they also didn't have Chris Godwin in that game, so that that's something to remember. Um, yeah, and Chris Godwin, I mean, a full week from being a game-time decision in which he definitely did more than what was asked of him. I think he was pretty close to leading the team in receiving. 
Uh, I think Leonard Fournette led the team in receptions, but Chris Godwin was a close second, and then Mike Evans led the team in yardage because he had that huge touchdown play. But, uh, yeah, Chris Godwin, I'm excited to see where he can pick up this week too. Yeah, and uh, so it's just tough against Bradbury. But I do think if you're going on bet online, I think you can find a place to bet on a Mike Evans touchdown. Here's why. We talked about, you know, I two reasons. One, the record, right? I think they're, they're going to want to get their next two games after this one are road games, right? Weeks 12 and week 13. So they're, they're going to want to get the record inside of Raymond James Stadium, right? And also – Mike Evans, 2017, scored a touchdown against the Giants. 2018, scored a touchdown against the Giants. 2019, scored Uh-oh. three touchdowns against the Giants. In the first 2020, half. 2020, scored a touchdown against the Giants. So four straight games now for Mike Evans, scoring a touchdown against the Giants. He dominates the Giants as far as touchdowns go. I would bet on Mike Evans scoring a touchdown, breaking the record in front of the fans at Raymond James Stadium. And if you guys want to get in on that action, just like Evan had mentioned, official sponsor of the Cannon Fire podcast, our guys over at betonline.ag, uh, the best place to go for not only just bets on the games, but all sorts of prop bets. And it, without a doubt, there is a Mike Evans touchdown this week. So if you like that one, hammer it down and uh, make yourself some money on behalf of betonline.ag. You can sign up on their website or download their app, and I believe you will get a 50% deposit bonus on your first deposit so you can turn 100 bucks into an extra 50 bucks on top and then maybe win some money on that courtesy of mike evans and the tampa bay buccaneers so as we uh get to the final segment on the show it's time once again for the weekly checklist basically what this is ladies and gentlemen it's a list of uh i'd say a minimum of three things the buccaneers have to do if they want to be victorious in this monday night's game against the new york giants now evan before i toss it to you Oh, I, I hate to be the one who has to do this. I know you're the heel of the program. I know you're the, you know, the bad guy, and we should acknowledge you as such. But just like Roman Reigns, exactly, man, acknowledge me. Exactly. Um, Got to make your kicks this week, man. I, I know it wasn't super detrimental to the total. I, I know it wasn't super detrimental to the outcome of the game last week. The missed PAT from Ryan Suckup. <laughs> But I have noticed oh. just a little bit of a uh, little bit of slippage from our guy. And, and I know we said we were never going to put this on the checklist again because he is our kicker until he is not. But uh, got to make your kicks this week, man. Can't be leaving points out on the board, especially when you're playing a team that plays as close as the Giants tend to do against Tampa Bay. So, uh, so I'm, I'm looking at Ryan Suckup this week. Are you saying that because of Suckup missing the extra point last week, or are you saying that because Nick Folk missed like two kicks during that Giants game, made the game winner, then Matt Gay missed the game winner? Um, is it just something about the Giants, or is it you know Ryan Suckup? You know, I'm glad you brought that up because I think you really covered my ass on this point here. But yeah, let's look at our kicker history against the Giants, man. God damn it, we'll go to 2019 and, and look at uh, I guess the one that started it all for Matt Gay and his neon green ass cleats that I will never. Well, technically, him Nick Folk started it. Well, it started so. it all. Yeah, back in uh, 2017, he was able to kick the game winner, and then later on that season, Tom Brady came to down and he played the like next hot week. dog water. It was, the um, next, it was the next week. Yeah, of course it was. <laughs> and it was Thursday night football, so it was the same week, technically. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah man. So kicker, uh, but, kicker, but Bucks, may, Bucks may, kickers against the Giants. That's the reason you're putting it on. Sure. Nothing against yeah, Suckup. Yeah, I guess nothing, nothing against Suckup suck personally. But, uh, you know, he, he disappointed me a little bit last week, and I'm not used to that. So just make well, your kicks I this mean, week. He missed the kick, and that was the last time the Bucks saw the ball anyway, so. 
with 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter, that was the last time the Bucks saw the ball. Yeah, so. I guess, you know, I guess nobody <laughs> was thinking about how bad that was going to hurt them when we still felt like there were going to be three or four more possessions in that game. Um, so uh, I see a lot of people saying, is Gronk playing? Yeah, uh, Gronk should yeah, be good. Most likely, yeah, most most likely should be good to go. Uh, barring any unforeseen setback, should be good to go. Yeah, so let's let's uh, let's do it. Um, the first one I am gonna say is just yeah, you gotta get pressure, I think, but also you gotta keep contain. I, Daniel Jones has an underrated ability to run, and I think that's a big key here. Like you're gonna have to keep contain. Don't let him run wild. Uh, two, I think you gotta protect the middle of the offensive line. Like the middle of the offensive line has to protect Brady. Uh, that's a big key. I think that's why Washington basically dominated because they were able to to dominate the inside of that offensive line, and um, you know it it throws off the rhythm of the offense. It's just, it's no good. You gotta be able to protect Brady. And 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 Tom Brady, Brady is a quarterback. I think has a pretty good idea of you know where pressure is he's been doing this long enough obviously for the level that he is and while he isn't a super mobile guy like a taylor heineke like possibly a daniel jones on monday night if he has to um you know he's not necessarily mobile but he has a really good idea of when he has to get rid of the football well he's a lot better at that when the pressure is not coming from directly in front of him right when when he has to move around and kind of move outside the pocket and get a little uncomfortable He's going to get a little uncomfortable, and uh, you get a lot of what you saw against Washington, like you said. Yeah, and I mean, you know, that's just – that's any quarterback it is, but it's also a quarterback that isn't very mobile to begin with. So, it's not somebody – like, Brady's not going to create stuff with his legs. Like, it's not going to – you know, that's not going to happen. Um, and then three, just maintain focus, you know. And I, I understand that that's not really something that – you know, can be you know necessarily to the game per se, like, oh, contain this guy, you know, could it do well against this guy. Um, but just maintain your focus, right? Go out there and play it a, a full 60 minutes. It doesn't have to be a blowout. Just because you play a full 60 minutes does not mean you win the game 45 nothing. Like, that's not what that means. But that means that you're playing solid football from beginning to end, right? Does it have to be a blowout? No. But that, that, that's not what that means. But you got to maintain your focus, get the job done against an inferior team, and you got you to gotta get back in the win column. I mean, three straight losses, including two in a row to bad opponents. I mean, that would just be – I mean, I'll come on here and say, like, this team – if that happens, you better tune into the post-game show after that game because I will be uh, – I'll be on here saying some stuff. You want to talk about the narratives already running wild at this point. Well, if the Bucs drop two games in a row to two bad teams out of a bad division, I mean, the entire reason they played Washington in the playoffs last season was because nobody in the NFC East could stay above 500. Like, those teams couldn't win a game to save their life. Well, this season, Dallas has just been absolutely running away with it, so you're not going to be in a situation to do that again. But, yeah, man, it's just it's just can't happen just can't happen i think focus is number one and uh that goes all the way back to what i said about you know what this game starts with and and that's discipline for tampa bay so uh going out there playing as clean of a game as you possibly can and playing the brand of football that they know they can is going to be pretty important as the buccaneers look to turn their recent luck around this week at home in raymond james stadium undefeated still in Raymond James Stadium, undefeated, still on primetime. Well, uh, they're going to be in home on Monday Night Football against the Giants, and uh, it should be a good game for Monday night 
if you like close football games. Speaking of close football games, I want to know what your thoughts are as we get to the final score predictions and we wrap this thing up. Evan, I'll, I'll let you go first, my man. Sure. So, yeah, as much as you'd like this to be a 14, 17, 20-point win, it's just not going to be. I just I just don't think it's going to be. Now, I'm not as down on this team as David is, apparently. He mm. says uh, Barkley is playing and no V on field. I predicted Bucks win big with my heart, but they always struggle with Giants. We'll do so Monday. There's no driver physicality left with this team. That's what I'm talking about, folks. I, I think no, too, too low, too low on the losses. <laughs> I think no, I I think you're just upset because David took your take. We we said at the beginning of the yeah, show, Daniel Jones undefeated, coming back to his home turf, his stomping grounds in Raymond James Stadium. I mean, it's it, you know that's what you wanted to predict, and you're mad that he took the words right out of your mouth here. Don't be mad at yeah, David. I know, I know. Um, anyways, uh, you know. I just can't see this Bucks team. I just can't see them losing three in a row. So I think they get over 30 because that's what they do at home. They they score over 30. They, they, they never do it on the road, but they do it at home. I think they get over 30. I think the Bucks win 31 to 24. Okay. I, so I like close it. game. It's a yeah. touchdown, but I, yeah. I think, and I think it's like, like, I think the defense makes a play at the end. I think it like the Giants have the ball with the chance to tie and they don't do it. Yeah. Oh, okay. A little higher scoring than uh, than my prediction. I do have the Buccaneers also coming out victorious, but I think it is to the tune of a excuse me. I think it is to the tune of a twenty four to fourteen final score. I know ten points is is kind of a, a bigger margin than we expected. Um, you know, we we talked this entire episode about how the Giants always play the Bucks close. Be expected a close game. You know, this and that, this and that, but. I think what's more important than the Giants playing the Bucks close this week is the Bucks finally waking the hell up, figuring out and remembering who the hell they are as a football team and really you know just bringing that physicality back that a lot of people were were asking, you know, about these last 2 weeks. Um I think you see that return to Buccaneers football. I think this defense can actually do a pretty good job of shutting down Daniel Jones. I I'd like to see some pressure that turns into interceptions here, maybe maybe if he's not on a snap count Sean Murphy bunting gets a little homecoming play and he'll get himself an interception this week but uh you know I I just I kind of have some faith a little more faith than I did last year at this time that this team can do just that remember who they are and step up and and play the brand of football that so many people are used to seeing uh this Bucks team under Tom Brady has never lost three in a row and I do not think that starts this week with a guy like Tom Brady on your team I know we talked about earlier and, and joke that his focuses are in other places, but uh, he's going to make sure that they don't lose three in a row. Like, I, I just think the uh, I think the level of expectations around this team, as far as what they think they can accomplish, is going to be stepped up this week because mentally they were kind of out of it against Washington. I think they've made a mental note to never let that happen again throughout the course of this regular season. So I think the Giants are going to be the first victim of that new mentality for the 2021 Bucks. And even though 24 points isn't exactly blockbuster, I, I still think, you know, it could be a close game, sometimes frustrating. But uh, I do have the Bucks winning by 10, 24 to 14, my final score. And they improve to seven and three on the season. I do like David's um, suggestion. It says that the Bucks lose on Monday. You got to make another wing king of the wing video with the carolina reaper wings from buffalo wild wings and don't forget the asmr microphone so, um like if, to... if if the bugs i mean tune in either way if the bugs lose to yeah, tune into that monday night show because that's gonna be uh 
I will not mince any words. Uh, I think that's that. what we should do. I, I think instead of you know unleashing everything you want to, if they lose, we should just go ahead and meet up. I mean, I, I you know I got a I got a better job now. My schedule works. I'll, I'll catch a catch a connected flight up to Philly. I was I was about to say yeah. I've come down to Florida twice now yeah, in the past like yeah. month. So you come up to Philly. We'll do it. We'll do it. Uh, we'll do one for the away team this year. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. There you go. It's yeah. It's my home turf this time. Yeah, man. All right. Well, uh, with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, that's just about going to do it for this week's episode of the Cannon Fire podcast. Thank you so much to everybody on the live chat over on our YouTube channel. Stevie G, Willie Beam, and Frank G, Black Crow, David Cardona, Willie Beam, and of course, Kevin, the other moderator holding it down, Edwin Hernandez, and anybody else that I may have missed. We truly appreciate your guys' support. Subscribe to the channel if you have not already. Plenty of great Buccaneers content throughout now. And, uh, course of the regular season i mean more than just the regular season all year long we've got plenty of red and pewter content for you so uh looking forward to bringing i mean that- including you know like our interview with byron kennedy talking yeah, about man. L- talk, talking a little bit about this game but also talking about his experience that sunday the last time the bucks won a football game against the chicago bears that's a scary when he, statement when 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 he, when, when he received what's the season with the bye weekend right? oh yeah yeah um, sure when he received Tom Brady's 600th football, right? His 600th touchdown pass. Tells his story. Tells what he was doing that day. He also gives an update on what he bought in the team store, what he's done or planning to do with the merchandise he received. And, uh, yeah, we talk about the Bucks a little bit. Also, if you guys weren't able to attend the Can of Fire Watch Party, that's okay, right? We wish you were there, but we understand. There's a recap video. It's only like 45 seconds to a minute, but it's awesome, right? A recap video of the watch party. Go ahead and check that out. Probably going to be doing that again next season. Probably there's, there won't be any probably this season, but probably going to be doing it again next season. So if you guys didn't make this one, be sure to, to be, be sure to make that one. <laughs> yeah, tongue twister there. I don't know. Uh, if you guys didn't uh, make it out, Check out the video. It was it was really nicely done, and uh, yeah, it's pretty awesome. And Steve G, thank you for saying you always smile when I smile. I appreciate that. I know my smile is contagious on a lot of people. That's what people tell me. Uh, that's what my grandmother basically tells me. Um, the, the the same grandmother. It's like, oh, you're so handsome. I'm like, oh, thanks. Um, so thank you very much, Steve G. I appreciate that, and thanks to you all for listening. Yeah, man. Thank you guys for uh, for checking out the podcast. If you ever want to listen to us as a podcast rather than watch with video over on YouTube, that's okay. It's not as great of a way to experience the show, but uh, you know it's a little bit more useful if you're listening to us on the radio, driving down the road or something. But download the podcast, any of our podcast outlets, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, all of that good stuff. We should be listed on most, if not all, of your regular podcast platforms. Uh, so go check that out. And then follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. Best place to go for updates on the show and, of course, Buccaneer news as it happens. Speaking of Bucks news as it happens, you can follow that guy over there on Instagram at Bucks underscore daily, the number one Buccaneers fan page on Instagram, rapidly approaching 30,000 followers. You can also find him on Twitter at EvanNFL. Last but not least, you can find myself, Instagram and Twitter, at Redicus. If you follow me, I will follow you back at R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. Well, that's it. 
Thank, uh, thank you guys for listening. That's all, folks. Yep, there, there it is. Get the hell out of here. You don't have to go home, but you cannot stay here. That's going to do it for this week's game preview edition of the Cannon Fire podcast presented by our friends over at betonline.ag. We will be live Monday night following the game immediately. That's it. Thank, uh, thank you guys for listening. That's all, folks. Yep, there, there it is. Get the hell out of here. You don't have to go home, but you cannot stay here. That's going to do it for this week's game preview edition of the Cannon Fire podcast presented by our friends over at betonline.ag. We will be live Monday night following the game, immediately giving you our reactions. Win, lose, or draw, we will be here. Same bat time, same bat channel, and uh, we'll talk to you then. I'm your host, Rip Matthew, signing off for my co-host, Evan Wanish. We'll talk to you next time. Until then, and as always, Go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.